0: welcome back to the owl talk podcast i'm your host drew carpenter like i mentioned last episode we've got a part two just for you On part one, we learned a lot about Robert George Patterson, who we like to call RGP. This week, we're going to dive deeper into the RGP manuscript, telling his side of the story of Sigma Pi fraternity's creation. Okay, let's dive into it with Grand Sage Joe Palazzolo. Our members have gotten a glimpse into RGP in the Patterson episode that's outlined in the Sigma Pi manual and on our website, but I know there's way more. Joe, tell us about the manuscript.
1: Sure, happy to. Uh, You may remember from what we spoke about in the prior episode, uh, Dr. Ralph Gray did some research into Patterson and the history of the fraternity and Sigma Pi Society. Well, Dr. Gray tells us this. There was a book called Leading Greeks that was published in 1915, some six years after RGP was expelled and the fraternity decided to stay quiet on our history and how we got our name. Well, This leading Greek's book published a whole section on RGP, and it included that Patterson had a manuscript ready to be published. The focus of the manuscript was, of course, the history of Sigma Pi fraternity. This scared the heck out of the guys back in 1915. So they asked someone who was friendly with RGP to meet up with him and, well, obtain the manuscript. RGP and his friend met up at a bar in Atlanta, and of course we don't know what happened, Drew, but you've had too many drinks once in a while, I'm sure. Sometimes you forget your wallet somewhere, sometimes you forget your keys, sometimes you misplace things. Well, after that meetup, RGP misplaced the manuscript that night. The next day, William D. Akers, who I quoted way back in our first episode, he sent a note to Byron R. Lewis to tell him that he, somehow, had the manuscript. And since then, the manuscript has been in Sigma Pi hands. In fact, it's here with me now in New Jersey. You you asked about the manuscript. Well, it's 918 pages, all typed out on a typewriter. And it's a lot. I mean, it's a lot. I've gotten through about 300 pages of it. And I thought I would pull some interesting quotes from it for, for our listeners. Again, this manuscript is essentially RGP side of the story when it comes to the Patterson episode, and how Sigma Pi changed its name from Tau Phi Delta to Sigma Pi Fraternity. As you know, part of that story, as we tell it, is that RGP made up the entire fictitious history of Sigma Pi, saying that we dated back to 1752, we had a charter granted by the King of England, and you know how the story goes. The veracity of the fraternity's history is discussed at the beginning of Chapter 3 in RGP's manuscript. If you would indulge me, Drew, I thought I might read some parts of chapter three right here. Uh, this is the beginning of the chapter, and it is, I believe, RGP laying the groundwork to defend the cause of Sigma Pi's fictitious history. Check it out. And I quote Are all the American Greek letter fraternities now in possession of their original records, rituals, and constitutions? Could all those mysterious documents be produced? If occasion required. In case of their doubtful preservation, have those vitally secret and precious instruments been submitted to the prying scrutiny of the self appointed authorities for proof of the date of their organization? Are all the reported birth dates of these societies absolutely reliable? Do not some writers tell us that there are instances where false claims have been made to remote antiquity? Have we any more reason to believe these same writers when they positively say that Kappa Alpha was founded in 1827 than when they calmly assert chi Phi's claim to being founded in 1824 is a fallacy? Is there any greater degree of doubt entertained about the thrilling tale of the bold bandit of Bologna than of the alleged origin of the society at Princeton? Do you believe the story Of Chi Phi, or the legend of Kappa Sigma? Do I? End quote. Drew, what I think RGP is doing as he opens chapter 3 in the manuscript is to let people know hey, the stories of fraternity histories are easily made up because who can verify any of this stuff? Meanwhile, he uses Kappa Alpha and Chi Phi in his example, and I can't help but add some clarity here. First, there are two Kappa Alphas, Kappa Alpha Order and Kappa Alpha Society. Kappa Alpha Order is the larger and much more well-known organization, and it was founded on December 21st, 1865. Kappa Alpha Society is much smaller, less than 10 active chapters, I think, and their founding date is November 26th, 1825. One of my colleagues at Monmouth University is actually their former national president, so he and I have talked fraternity shop once in a while. So neither Kappa Alpha has a founding date of 1827, as RGP notes in his opening. And that's one of the ongoing things about his manuscript. That is, not all of the facts are, in fact, facts. It appears that sometimes things are made up, and other times RGP may fill in the details in a manner that serves his overall narrative. The reader has to understand that RGP considered himself a fiction writer at all times, not just in 1933 when he had Gas Buggy published. And I bring that up because the opening of the manuscript reads like an author setting the stage for a larger story, almost like you're watching the opening scenes of a movie. And it's the type of movie that spends the first 15 or 20 minutes setting the stage for what to expect over the next two hours. RGP does the literary version of that in the opening of the manuscript, and it goes on, and it goes on, and it goes on. I thought I'd read one more section of Chapter 3, Drew. Uh, Specifically, this is RGP's response to whether or not the history of Sigma Pi, the history that dates us back to 1752, is true or false. I thought this might be of particular interest to our listeners, particularly here in our founding month as we celebrate 125 years, this is what RGP says of that history. And I quote, If the story of Sigma Pi is truth or tradition, it is a pretty one, and surely its purpose is uplifting. No loftier ideals could be expressed, it seems to me, than in its ritual and constitution. So high are they that it is indeed a regret That the society's secret nature prevents this whole world from knowing just for what it stands without the faintest desire of defending its purported history here i will say that to some it may have been absurd and unreasonable but there were many like myself who accepted it we probably gave it little heed in our more youthful days and later when our perceptive powers developed and sigma pi's earlier existence questioned We realize that it must have come from somewhere. Probably it is fiction. There is a chance it is not. No matter, it is capable of doing great good, and its founder should be accorded praise for endeavoring to foster in college men the desire for culture and becoming better citizens, end quote. For me, Drew, that's it. That's the admission. That's the revelation that the history of the fraternity, as RGP was describing it, was in fact false. Now, there's something else to note in this paragraph, and it also gives insight into some of the frustrations with the manuscript being RGP's side of the story. He says, There were many like myself who accepted the false history of the fraternity. Okay, who? <laughs> who are these people who accepted it? Name names. Give us some details. Give us some facts. Instead, RGP doesn't give us anything, and that's pretty much what it's like reading through most of the beginning of the manuscript.
0: Joe, that is all very riveting. Just hearing the how unaccepted Sigma Pi's history was, even by our original members, how we wanted to keep that a secret and keep that uh, away from public eye. So I find that very interesting and almost challenging from a member perspective you know we, we nowadays are expected to be proud members and wear that on our our sleeve but you know when we first got started that was something that was was hidden so very interesting thank you for sharing that with us
1: absolutely it's 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 interesting to read through the manuscript it's interesting to pick up little pearls like this and then I also think it's interesting to hear RGP essentially, not just defend himself, but then to go on and say, no matter, it's capable of doing great things. And the founder should be accorded praise for endeavoring to foster. So he's essentially saying you should be praising the person who put this story together. I just, I love it.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Moving on to our next question. What's been the process of going through his
1: manuscript and transcribing it? Well, in general, it's been a slow process. And it's intentionally slow, Drew. Sure, we can make a PDF of this thing and put it out there for our brothers. But these 918 pages are brittle. And they easily fall apart. So we have to be careful with the manuscript. I'm going about this project one page at a time. Really one line at a time. Because I want to be sure that we capture everything the way that RGP typed it out. For example, certain words were spelled differently then, and I want to be sure that we retain the spelling of those words as RGP put them down. There are the occasional spelling and grammatical errors that the software wants to automatically correct, but I'm going back and making sure that the errors are retained too. I want this to be a pure document. In terms of my process, it it varies uh, from direct transcription to -to voice-to-text in Microsoft Word. The direct transcription is exactly what it sounds like. I have the manuscript next to me, and I type into Word what I see on the page. The voice-to-text is marginally more efficient in terms of timing, but it doesn't always lay things out the way that RGP did on his page, so I have to go back and add commas and other things here and there. Overall, the process is, it's actually enjoyable. Uh, it's a good stress reliever, and uh, it's a good way to clear your mind after a busy week or you know, a busy couple of days. I find that the work in the transcription is, um, it's, it's a good release. It's a good way to remember some of these uh, historical parts of the fraternity, and I, I probably work on it once every week or so.
0: And I would imagine that getting to sit down and almost relive this information is very rewarding on your end, Joe, getting to see the you know, beginnings of our fraternity written out and getting to then turn that into something that we can still grasp today. I'm, I'm sure that is very, very interesting on your end.
1: It is. It's it's interesting to have the other side of the story. We've all been taught the one side of the story, which is certainly deep enough and goes into uh, incredible detail and is a is a fascinating enough story where it holds your attention and makes you want to learn more about it but now we're going to put out the other side of the story and it's even deeper and more fascinating and there's more layers to dig through i think uh, i think our members are going to like reading it
0: i can only imagine i'm looking forward to reading through that whenever it's finished and moving on to our next question what can members expect from it when they get
1: their hands on it they can expect to spend a lot of time reading through it. It's long. 918 pages is not something that you just sit down and read in an afternoon. For some context, uh, Leo Tolstoy's War and Peace is 1,225 pages. J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, all three books, is 1,178 pages. So we're right up there with those longer uh, novels. Before we Put the final product out for everyone we'll include a brief introduction just explaining what the reader is reading and then a note that will deal with some modifications that we are going to make to the manuscript and by modifications i mean that this thing was typed up a 100 years ago and some of the language is culturally insensitive and we're just not going to print those words period we'll put something in their place and then have a line or two at the beginning of the manuscript that explains their omission I don't think the introduction is going to be more than a page or two. We really want this document to be its own entity without someone adding their own interpretation to the front of it or to the back of it as an epilogue, for that matter, or anything along those lines. And that's something that we've been keenly aware of over the years, Drew. That is that there are some small pockets of folks out there who are of the belief that these historical documents are the domain of just a few people and that only they can be the arbiters of what gets out there to the larger brotherhood, we have a very different take on our history today in that we believe that this information belongs to all of us, especially a primary source document like RGP's manuscript. And again, again, this is something he wrote. So once it's completed, we're just going to make it available on the fraternity's private members only area, and um, then our brothers can go and get a copy for themselves. Now, separately from this manuscript, there is an effort going into a history book or i guess really a series of history books but that's a different effort entirely and i think we'll talk about that on an upcoming podcast as well anyway the primary source documents are something that we are working on in an interactive form too many documents pictures and correspondence has been scanned into pdfs and other digital media over the years we are working to make that information available in an interactive format for everyone. Think about that project like going to a web page and reading about our history. But then when that history references a letter from one person to another, then you can click a link right there and see a PDF of the actual letter itself. That work is, of course, ongoing. And that's the frame of mind that we have about all of the history, as well as RGP's manuscript. We want to put it out there. It's a primary source document. We want everyone to be able to get a copy and take a read for themselves and come up with their own interpretation of what it is that RGP is saying.
0: Well, and to your point, Joe, you used the word purity earlier. We want to keep this document as pure, as original as possible. And obviously, there has been some change over the years. We have to update some of the, the jargon used at that time, add some nuances that we today we would need to be able to understand this document, but overall, this manuscript is going to be as as close to the original as possible, which again will give us a, an understanding of the mindset that our members were at whenever Sigma Pi first started.
1: That's correct. It'll be It'll be 99% plus original to what RGP put on the page. Again, a couple of words here and there that uh, are not in use these days, and we're not going to publish them. Uh, They seem to come up when um, when RGP is typing out what he believes to be our chants or like drinking songs or you know uh, socializing songs. They used to do a lot of that hundred years ago. And then you know, I I I feel compelled to note we're not just talking about racial insensitivities. There are religious insensitivities. in here as well, but not a lot, not a lot of either one drew there's uh, there's just a smattering here and there. Again, I'm about a hundred 300 pages into this thing and there might be a dozen or so areas where we'll just omit a word here or there. So it's not, it's not overwhelming.
0: I know I've already said it, but I'm looking forward to reading this document. I'm excited to really dive into this and, and see where we were whenever Sigma Pi first started. And for my last question, Joe, with all this discussion over part one and two of this Robert George Patterson topic, when should our members expect the manuscript to release
1: and where can they find it? We are hoping to have the full manuscript ready later this year. For now, as part of our 125th celebration this month, we are releasing the first 125 pages of the manuscript so our brothers can begin to read RGP side of the story. There will be an announcement about this in the upcoming winter 2022 issue of the Emerald. The manuscript is going to be available on SigmaPi.org.
0: Fantastic. Well, I can imagine that many of our members are looking forward to really diving into this document
1: and learning more.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Owl Talk Podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe and please leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. And as always, I believe.